Well, it is my esteemed privilege to introduce someone who I've known for a number of years. I consider him a brother, a friend, uh, someone who has been a, a great asset to lots of people, including me. And his name is Greg Dempster. Greg, welcome to our little podcast here today. It's good to join you today, Randy. Let me tell you a little bit more about Greg. He is the director of Christ Life Ministries, married, has two boys. He served in full-time pastoral ministry for the past 23 years. He's been a senior leader, an elder, ministry director, has played an instrumental role in developing the Christ Life experience and vision. And, uh, you know, he worked. we worked together at a church uh, locally here in the Grand Rapids area for a number of years. He's been a worship leader, as I've indicated, just in introducing him. He's he's uh, had an impact, a positive impact on my life and the lives of others. You're going to hear more about it. But Greg, again, so thankful you uh, were able to take a few minutes to be with us on this podcast. And it's certainly our prayer that that lives are touched. Randy, so it's really a joy to help and a joy to, to anytime I get to spend more time with you. I mean, it's fantastic. So well, Count me in. If it's a podcast or lunch or coffee, I'm in. Uh, well, agree, agree. So before we get in talking about Christ Life Ministries, which is really very exciting by itself, to me, I remember when we first met, you shared your own personal testimony. That was just amazing. Would you mind just taking a minute or two to share how you came to faith in Christ? Sure. Yeah. Um Fitting it into two minutes is going to be tough. I'll do the best I can. That's okay. I grew up in Northern California. My dad actually was an associate pastor at South Hills Community Church. Uh, and it was a, a church. It was the first church plant from uh, Dave Roper, Ray Stedman's church uh, out of Palo Alto, California, Mountain View, California. Mm. And uh, of course, they had tremendous growth back in the day with the body life movement and God just moved my dad uh, to join a church planting team, and and the rest is history. He was there for 34 years. My mom was a church organist early on, and and I grew up with a younger brother. And, you know, Randy, if we were to cut the story and get to the heart of the matter, mm -hmm. I think that really when all is said and done, my parents, like everyone's parents, did the best they could related to raising me in an environment where, where I knew very clearly that they knew God and had mm -hmm. been changed by God. Uh, the thing that, that I was missing was what I see happening with a lot of leaders that I work with. And that is that there was a chasm between what I believed to be true about God. You know, the, the stories that I watched on the, the flannel graph you know, Sunday after Sunday. Yeah, sure. And and actually the stories that I would lead elementary kids through as a teenager, there was a big difference, a big chasm between what I believed the Bible said and what I was experiencing daily. Mm -hmm. And and my story as I continue to grow junior high, junior high years are not always easy for every kid. I was the overweight kid that was still getting his hair cut by his mom you know, banks <laughs> right across, really not feeling like in any way I fit in with the, the, 
the kids that were sure uh the, the popular crowd yeah and in between my junior high years and my high school years i had a huge growth spurt lost that weight or maybe stretched that same weight over the course of you know a couple more inches sure all of a sudden the way that i looked uh was very different than the way that i Mm. Uh, looked and was perceived in junior high school and and really that opened some doors related to that that opened up opportunity that was the wrong type of opportunity Mm. for at my age and desiring to fit in desiring acceptance and value uh, I just wandered into and began medicating through drugs a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and just promiscuous living you know i went in to high school in california as the elp kid the extended learning program kid uh, a kid who had a grandfather that was the first research engineer at stanford back in the day wow huge iq for my grand it missed a couple missed a couple generations regarding no, IQ. i don't think so i think you're the just reality just... is that my grandfather was a highly celebrated inventor. That's what he, that's what he would do. And so I started off high school in all of these extended learning programs for the, for kids that are supposedly gifted. Mm-hmm. And I graduated high school with six D minuses, barely graduating by the skin of my teeth. I think my, my senior <laughs> English professor gr- gave me a D minus because he knew that I could have done better if I tried. He just wanted to keep me out of that doom loop of, of not passing high school and then just kind of sure. heading in the, even in a worse direction that I was already heading. Wow. Long story short, my parents did kind of the tough love thing. Um, mm. They, they had me go to a counselor. I took a thousand question Scantron test. It came back that I was addicted to drugs, which I wasn't addicted to drugs. I was just addicted to the lifestyle, Randy. Oh. And and I was about as lost and uh, floundering as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old mm. kid could be, you know, following the Grateful Dead, uh, yeah. uh, engaging in uh, psychedelic, a psychedelic drug experimentation, mm. <laughs> every drug that you could imagine, minus wow. things that would be injected. I was just not an inject drugs type of... Oh. Type of guy, but um, the thing that was in play with me early on was that I had genuinely dedicated my life to Christ when I was five years old. I was a saved kid, and my parents, in putting me through this testing, basically put the bottom line, gave me the bottom line, which was you can stay in our home if you choose to get off of drugs and and lose this lifestyle, or you're going to need to figure it out on your own. And so I moved out moved out with my girlfriend at the time and her mom and my life just continued to Mm. to ebb lower and lower and lower and lower until one day um, I was high at, at this music concert and I had the most strange experience. Uh, In fact, I probably had a half dozen of these experiences where I would be completely high on multiple drugs. And then I would, find myself sober, completely sober and thinking straight for maybe a minute or two. And then I would be right back mm-hmm. high again. The, the, the thing that was going on was that little did I know my parents began fasting and praying over my life and God was showing up 
in undeniable power. And I couldn't remember most of what happened those evenings other than those moments of sobriety. And God was building this case against the lifestyle that I was choosing. Wow. Wow. And it was in that era that I was high on LSD on the beach in Capitola with my friend Chris Genta. And, and we're listening to the, the A side of the Ab Beatles Abbey Road album. And I can remember having this ever growing sense of distance from everything that was good mm. and feeling like my life was moving towards uh, just being lost, sure. lost in darkness. Sure. And it was in that moment that I sensed God speak to me that very thing, that the light, the, the path that you're choosing is going to lead to a very dark end. And I just had this sense, Randy, of God all around me, that God was surrounding me on this beach. And I was blown away. I had never had a bad trip on drugs. Uh, they were always positive. And this was unlike anything that I'd ever experienced before. I knew that God was very clearly there and very clearly revealing himself to me. I heard my friend Chris, who was with me on the beach, say something. I turned around and I said, Chris, what's going on with you? Of course, I hadn't said anything to him at all uh, while I was having these encounters with Jesus. And, and he said, Greg, I feel like Satan's got me on puppet strings, making me do whatever he wants me to do, which I had never heard Chris talk about anything spiritual in all the years that I knew him. And I knew that God had shown up in power so much so that not only was he revealing himself to me that he would, but he was also revealing himself to my friend, Chris, who was no more than 15 feet away from me sitting on laying down on his towel on the beach. I, I turned around to Chris and all of these scriptures from when I was a kid just bubbled out of my spirit. I said, Chris, if you confess with your heart and mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. And, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He looks at me like a deer in the headlights. He's just like, I've got to pray. He begins to pray. I begin to bury, you know, pot and pipes and drugs in the sand. I was just done with it all. And and God, that was the beginning really for me. And wow. that that was, of course, now over 35 years ago. And my life has just never been the sense. It, the same sense God's just taken that experience and and built upon it both biblically and experientially to the point where I really know that God far better than obviously I did in that moment he, he took that moment and opened a door to deeper more far-reaching life-changing experiences with him so yeah. that was that was really the beginning God is so gracious isn't he I mean, and your parents' prayers, fasting and praying for you, that's what parents need to do for their wandering prodigal kids. And we've seen it as well, and uh, it's just amazing. But God is patient and gracious to speak truth to us and, and open your heart and mind at that moment. And boy, since then, you've touched a lot of lives, and now you're, you're in charge of Christ's life ministries. Well, well, totally changing the subject, but what is the mission? What's the goal? What What's the purpose of Christ-like ministries? Yes, life, Christ's life with an F. But, but Randy, the, the, the idea, what we're charging after 
is, is that we all have these things that get in the way of us living John 15 abiding relationship with Jesus that, that could it be that we all have chasms in our mm-hmm. lives, that there are things that we believe to be true about God. Yes. And then, and then there are ways that what we believe aren't quite making its way into what we're experiencing mm-hmm. daily. And what we often find is, is that there are reasons, there are valid reasons why we have the disconnect that we have and, and, and helping Christ life as an organization focuses its attention on high influence, probability, Christian leaders, often senior pastors, uh, Christian nonprofit leaders who just know that they know that there are things that need to be changed in their personal lives for them to be ultimately engaging the life that God's called them to live. And Ephesians 2.10, uh, fully engaging the works that they were created to do. That's, uh, that's what we do. And so a lot of that work has to do with going into misprocessed or unprocessed uh, areas of brokenness in a person's life where they've they've experienced pain and and as a result of not having anybody help them think correctly about what happened mm-hmm. they form distorted perspectives that create disruptive emotion and then and then uh, that disruptive emotion is behind many of the dysfunctional lifestyle choices that they they experience in life so we help pastors move to Jesus as their only healer. First of all, understand why they're broken in the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And then with that new information, be able to move into the presence of the true mm-hmm. Jesus, experience him, lead them, John 16, into all truth, and and experience maybe freedom for the first time. And then the other half of the coin, the other side of the coin for us is to then train those leaders to help others in their sphere of influence experience the same freedom. That's what we do. Oh, that's great. And and you've touched, would you call hundreds of pastors along the way and leaders? Yeah, yeah in, in any season, like we have an Alaska office now, right? Grand Rapids <laughs> office. I'll be I'll work with between 24, 25 to 30 senior Christian leaders each week uh here in this office. So so hundreds and hundreds. And then again, many of those, you know, the staff that we live with is that um, we find more often than not one out of four of the leaders that I work with are so convinced that discipleship and leadership development is what they're called to be about, mm-hmm. that they, they become what we call a Christ life pastoral leader, which means that they're, they're helping a minimum of six other pastoral leaders each year experience freedom, and then also training them to reproduce in their sphere of influence. So really uh, they're, um, we have a whole lot of people who, yeah. who by God's grace, are experiencing oh, change. That's so cool. You know, again, many people watching, listening to to what we're talking about will say, wait a minute, pastors, ministry, I mean, they've got it together. I mean, they've gone to school and they've got all the training. The reality is it being a pastor today is a tough job. It's always been tough because, you know, we, we know you got to a, a, a target on your backside that the enemy, our arch enemy Satan, loves to attack, but and that's always been true. But our culture is not real Christ-centered at all, mm. and it's challenging. We all need to be able to be real with the people around us and have some real fellowship. But it's a little scary for a pastor to be real with the things that he is struggling with, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you come along and you you you're a safe place for these pastors and leaders to to just un, unburden themselves and and get the freedom that they long for. Yeah, that's really good, Randy. I, yeah, I think that that each one of us has a set of distortions that drive our lives, and for many, it's it, you, distortions are usually they they come out as these universal statements belief statements about ourselves, like, you know, my value contingent on my performance, or if anyone really knew who I was, they'd reject me, or I'm all alone and I'll always be alone. You know, there are millions of different combinations that come into play depending on a person's unique history. And so I think that the vast majority of us, whether we're swinging a hammer and framing a home or leading a Fortune 500 company, uh, leading SpaceX or leading a church, have history that's impacting the here and now. Now, some of that history might be some of the the core reasons why we're as driven as we are. Like if I can't make mistakes and be okay, or I have to perform to be, I might be working 60, 70 hour weeks and meeting some of the most successful ministry or, or businesses around. But the reality is that that maybe my primary motives are super unhealthy and 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 uh, need changing. So I would say first and foremost that most of us have unprocessed brokenness, wounds, or even successes that have formed distorted perspectives, disruptive emotion, and then dysfunction, dysfunctional lifestyle choices. Now with pastors, there's the whole spiritual dynamic mm-hmm. that that of course the kingdom of darkness. Mm-hmm. I think primarily pushes into empowering our independence, the independent life that, that really in the end, the mm-hmm. enemy loves to see pastors fall morally, loves to see families. Mm-hmm. Great. Loves to see all of that happen, but really the ace up his sleeve is empowering a life that is not depending on the life of Jesus. It's, it's what Paul calls the independent or the flesh life, that yes. the flesh blooded bones only life. And so when pastors, <coughs> excuse me, are driven by distortions mm. and, and are living independently from the life of Jesus, even mm. though they're standing before their congregation and offering a message of grace and love and, and unconditional kindness of Jesus to their congregants, they find themselves in a uniquely difficult position. Mm-hmm. Uh, they often will will uh, be engaged in negative self-talk. Uh, mm. They'll they'll call themselves a hypocrite. They'll, mm. they'll really beat themselves down. Uh, mm. And again, I think that's a combination of things that all of us struggle with at one level or another, wounds and distortions, yes. mixed with the spiritual dynamic of being mm. a, a Christian leader. Wow. Yeah, this whole thing of independent life. I don't know if it's a man thing or if it's it's more my thing, but I think a lot of a lot of guys say, you know, we, we got to figure this thing out. We got to fix this thing. We got to fix ourselves and and we just work in the flesh to do that. And it it feels weak for us to be dependent on God. And yet he's not mad at us at all when we are dependent. He wants. He says, "Without me you can do nothing." Now, again, yeah. we know that in our head, but again, that's one of my weaknesses, as you well know, is just, okay, God, I got this. I'll, I'll work a little harder. I'll try a little harder. 
And God says, no, 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 no. It's got to be me. It's a gift from me. It's not earned. It's not, it's, 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 it's really grace. Mm. It's the total, and it feels like, really? Yeah, but if it's grace, then what if you wake up one day, God, and, and I'm not good enough for you? He says, get over yourself. I love you, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. And so the things that you actually and others have taught me over the years, I, I have to re review in my mind and heart. And it's, it's just so healing to me. Uh, so I appreciate your, your ministry, Greg, and I'm sure many, many others as well. You've you've really helped me. Uh, and again, am I one, one and done? No, I got to I got to daily uh, refresh myself in the truth. And uh, but it's been really a help. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good. You know, Randy, that I think that the the bottom line is, is that God brings healing, not so that we can perform more effectively, but so that we're set free from every need to perform. And, and of course, there's a huge difference between those two worlds, you know, yes. often distorted people, uh, myself, top of the list, believed that value could ebb and flow, mm -hmm. that value, I can, through a good performance, increase value. But then through a poor performance or poor feedback, you know, uh, a non-approval or rejection can lose value. And, and that's one of the first things that God works on in us as he begins to heal us, as he helps us understand that value is gifted and not earned. And wow. it's, it's God who determines value. And it's also God who determines our identity. He's the one who forms identity in us. And he's the one who gifts us with a sense of value and what in value is as finished as the finished work of the cross. I think that, that, that then becomes a, a first step, if you will, in learning how to entrust ourselves to him. You know, John three sixteen says for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. So whosoever believes is what we usually take away from that scripture. It actually is closer to entrusts for whosoever entrusts themselves to him shall not perish, but have ever everlasting mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that understanding that one of the primary reasons why I choose to live the independent life is, is that I think that I'm safer managing my life or will be mm -hmm. more successful managing mm -hmm. my own life or will have a life that's more in lines with what I think I deserve or what I right. want by managing it myself. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's the same deception that was used in Genesis 3 with, with Eve, right? Did God really say that? You know, he's basically withholding. That, that's, that's what happens in Genesis 3, and it's still happening today, that I, I tend to manage life on my own because I think it'll be better that way. And in doing so, I tend to separate myself from the very life and promise and and benefit that comes from living uh, in abiding relationship with Jesus. So again, I think when we begin to taste and see how good he is, it causes us to, to move away from the independent or the flesh, blood and bones only life and towards a life that is more and more submitted and surrendered to him. That's good. A key element, of course, in the Christian life is faith, trust, in trusting, whatever, however you want to put it, is that something we do, or is that something God does through us? Well, how do okay, you so, get stronger okay, faith? So, 
Okay, I know you're setting me up like you just gave me a big old fat softball to hit over the, the fence. Okay, of course, Ephesians 2 tells us, right, that we're saved through what? Faith. Faith. And that faith comes as a result of what? Grace. Mm. Gra- and grace is a gift from God so no man can boast. Yes. So I-, I think that we need to lean into that related to salvation. But we also need to lean into that same reality regarding sanctification, regarding mm-hmm. growth in him. Mm-hmm. That, that, and in fact, it's been said, I forget who, I can't quote it properly because I can't tell you who originally said it. But the, the reality is uh, that, that the growth, any growth is growth in grace. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and grace, of course, is God doing something for us that we can't do for ourselves. That is that, so good. That's precious. That's that life changing. And of course, Dallas Willard would concur with that definition of grace. He it's all over this book, the renewing the Christian mind mm-hmm. uh, by Dallas Willard, that, mm-hmm. that grace is God doing something in us and for us that we can't do for ourselves. So, so when you're talking about grace and growth, really the work that God does in us to heal us, to transform us, Romans 12 is work that causes us to, more readily relinquish control to him mm-hmm. to entrust ourselves to him Good. and and to to trust him to do in us what we can't do for ourselves so growing faith isn't something that we do for ourselves we entrust ourselves to god he pours himself into our lives he allows grace to fill our lives and what comes as a result of grace is an expanded ability to believe him for for the things that that are impossible to pull off on our own. And and that includes getting over sin patterns. Mm -hmm. It includes uh, the salvation of our children and, and things that we're just desperately needing God God to do. Like my parents needing God to do in my life when Mm -hmm. I was 17 and 18 years old, Mm -hmm. that was grace in them producing faith that lead led to action. Yes. And they interceded, prayed, and trusted me to, to God, and God was working powerfully whether they saw it or not. Praise God. Oh, that's so cool. Anything you want to add before we uh, bring the plane in for a landing here, Greg? Well, it just feels like we just started. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did. Unbelievable. But it's a good start. Um, yeah, there are a couple things. Uh, number one is this that regardless of where you are today, whether you're a Christian leader or whether you're Mm -hmm. just a normal person like the rest of us who desperately need God uh, and his transformation, uh, becoming informed related to your history, the causal nature of your history, how your history impacts your perspective today is really, really important. Invite God. You could even pray right now asking god to help you understand where you're broken and and what distortions are in play in your life today number two would be then you need to bring that information before the healer hebrews 4 paints a picture of jesus being the empathy filled high priest who invites us to come before the throne of what the throne of grace. grace. Now, if we're going to use the definition that Dallas Willard uses for grace, that's the throne of I will do it for you. Ooh. He invites us to approach the throne of I will do it for you to receive mercy and help in our time of need. 
That is so, so good. So we don't approach him to power up and power through. We approach him to do something that we cannot do for ourselves. It's really important that we come to him and be honest about where we're stuck. That's so good. Then I'm going to buy one more verse, if I can, with the time that we have left. First Peter 5, 7, and also Psalm 55, 22, paints a picture. Uh, it's actually an invitation given by God for us to cast care and receive care. Now, if you go to Psalm 55, 22, it seems almost that what the psalmist is saying is that the only way for me to receive the care that God is longing to bring is if I learn to cast the care, cast the weight that I'm carrying on my own shoulders. So if you combine Hebrews 4 with 1 Peter 5, 7, Psalm 55, 22, you have this invitation to learn to cast our care and receive care, and you have the place that God wants that done, which is the throne of I will do it for you. He wants me to approach the throne of I will do it for you. He wants to cap me to cast the disruptive emotion, distortions, or wounding that's in play, that's triggering me. He wants me to cast that before him. He wants me to ask him to make sense of it, to process, unprocess areas of brokenness. And then he wants me to leave it there with the expectation that what I walk away with is him, not all of the brokenness. I can leave that with him. I can walk away with him. And, and of course, he's the perfect prince of peace, right? So. Right. We don't, he doesn't just give us Philippians 4, peace that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. He gives us himself. Mm. And he's the perfect peace. Oh, that's good. So what ends up happening is we can learn to truly offload and, and let go of these, these aspects of our brokenness that he mm. wants to move into and bring healing to and walk away with peace. We can have a real uh, expectation grow in our hearts that he can bring solutions to the issues that we're struggling with, even if it's been for decades, and, and bring healing where there hasn't been healing up to this point. So again, Hebrews 4, Psalm 55, 22, though, that's a deadly combination, that's a, a real good. effective combination related to dealing today with patterns, unhealthy patterns, uh, and emotion and distortions that maybe we've lived with for decades. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Greg. Thank you. How about closing us in prayer? Would you do that? Love to do that. And God, I, I am just aware of the fact that there uh, are hundreds mm. of men and women mm. who will listen to this podcast. And I'm asking that you would make yourself highly exalted, mm -hmm. uh, that, that you, you would just in all of your glory, just be revealed and then I'm asking, uh, according to the ironic blessing, that you would allow uh, your face to smile down on everyone who's listening, who's watching this podcast, and that you would grant them peace. Mm -hmm. And that you would allow all of your wholeness to shine down on them. And that you would also grant them wholeness. Mm -hmm. That you would allow freedom and liberty and and just a, a, a new new life to pour into them. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Greg, so appreciate you, brother. You've touched my life and many others, and I pray God would continue to bless you, encourage you, your family, and all glory to God. God bless. Thanks, Thanks Randy. 
Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.